Okay, well, welcome. This is the Environmental Justice Report with me, the producer and host, Janine Moloff. Well, there's been a lot going on this week. And as our title says, this particular segment is going to speak about the alleged bipartisan infrastructure bill. Now, I'm putting bipartisan in air quotes because it doesn't deserve any real respect. Okay, let's be honest by the first and foremost. You know, when you talk about bipartisanship and the, the subsequent compromise that is required from bipartisanship, that assumes that you have two or more parties that are honest brokers. And that's clearly not the case here in the United States government, our two-party nonsense system. And it's definitely not the case with the GOP. All right, they have no intent of doing anything except continuing with Trump's uh, destruction of this country. So getting back into this, this is the bipartisan infrastructure bill, and it says it privatizes our water. Now, this this particular first segment, we're going to talk more about the policy uh, problems with this possible deal. And then in another segment, we'll talk about what happens with privatization of water systems, because it just takes too much time to go through it all. So this alleged bipartisan infrastructure bill being pushed by, I'm just going to use Trump's term, fake Democrats, Joe Manchin, and his uh, eager apprentice, Kirsten Sinema, uh, in conjunction with alleged GOP moderates, is nothing but a privatization scheme that also keeps billionaire tax cuts intact. Public services will be partially or completely privatized through the tired public-private partnerships con, and that includes our water systems and public-private partnerships, otherwise known as P3, with a special little deal. So, uh, and that a special little deal is called the asset recycling, which we're going to get into. So let's just start on here. So today, the mainstream press reads corporate-owned media, including CNN and several others, in their dutiful charge as proper stenographers, reported that a deal had been reached between alleged corporate Democrats and alleged moderate Republicans. Now, the the irony of those labels just didn't escape my attention. President Biden announced he's on board. Bernie Sanders begged and implored progressives on the left to get on board as well with this baby steps deal and you know the idea being accept what you can get because there's going to be a this bigger deal further down the road we've seen this strategy play out before go along with corporate sell out democrats and later on kiddos you'll get a treat don't listen it's all a scam in fact the deal brokered in secret committee behind closed doors by this bipartisan group this gang of 21 is little more than a similar deal passed in Australia, admired by, guess who? Donald Trump in 2017. So why would the Donald like a deal that looks like the one that's been cobbled out now? Well, you can bet that it rips off the public for the benefit of the corporate and billionaire class. Now, the infrastructure deal is all about, as I said before, privatizing public resources with a secondary financing scheme that would truly make the Donald proud. So we're going to learn about the public-private partnerships, a.k.a. also known as the P3s, and the more toxic detail known as asset recycling. Don't you just love that term, asset recycling? Trust me, this isn't about 
putting stuff in your compost heap. Although this asset recycling, this entire bipartisan deal, basically would be better fit for the compost. And you know what that is. So why is this topic on the environmental justice report if this show deals with environmental justice? Well, one of the major public assets that probably will be privatized is our, basically our water system. Furthermore, we can't talk about environmental justice if we don't talk about the nuts and bolts of policymaking. The two go hand in hand. And quite often in environmental movements, we get very caught up in the science and in the environmental needs, which are critically important. I'm not putting it down. But we, in order to really defend it, we need to understand the policy makers and we need to understand what these, these legislators, many of whom are attorneys, what, they're, what duplicitous things they're sneaking into this particular deal as well as so many others. You know, the old saying, the devil's in the details, we ignore it at our peril. So today's news about the broker deal, which will eventually, in my opinion, sign away our rights to public resources, uh, and it wasn't just me. David Dayan on the American Prospect reported on did a piece. Um, here's, here's the breakdown. 21 senators brokered this deal. They're called the Gang of 21. Seems appropriate. 21 senators took it upon themselves to decide this for the entire nation. 21 senators must be held accountable for the deal and the ridiculous secrecy that surrounded it. So let's name the 21 senators first. First of all, the Gang of 21 was co-chaired by Senator Rob Portman of Ohio for the Republicans and Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona for the Democrats. She's a Democrat name only, but you get it. The remainder of these uh, senators, Democrats, on the Democrat side, Chris Coons of Delaware, Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire, John Hickenlooper of Colorado, Mark Kelly of Arizona, Joe Manchin, obviously, of West Virginia, Gene Shaheen of New Hampshire, Kirsten Sinema, again, of Arizona, John Tester of Montana, Mark Warner of Virginia, and Senator Angus King, who's technically an independent, but he caucuses with the Dems, was part of this also and favors the deal. On the GOP side, you obviously have Rob Portman of Ohio, who, you know, again, co-chaired it with Kirsten Sinema. Richard Burr of North Carolina, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Susan Collins of Maine, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Jerry Moran of Kansas, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Mitt Romney of Utah, Mike Rounds of South Dakota, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, and Todd Young of Indiana. Okay, I believe in holding people accountable, and one way you have to do it, you have to name names. And as we'll see later in this report, it is the funding issue how we're going to fund this infrastructure bill, which makes this a dirty skunk of a deal. So CNN reported today, again from CNN, some of the best stenography available, quote, uh, the headline, Senators say deal reached on infrastructure proposal as bipartisan agenda faces make or break moment. It was this piece of garbage was written by Lauren Fox, Manu Raju, Ted Barrett, and Jessica Dean. And there's a video that goes along with it. And basically, they're, they're basically talking about the horse race, you know, that this may be a win for President Biden. You know, I'm so sick of alleged journalists talking about the horse race. And part of this I blame, I really do, on, um, on Nate Silver. 
you know, when he handicapped the election, Obama won, everybody got on board. And it really distracts the public. You're so busy with the horse race that you don't bother to notice not only that you're being ripped off, but how politicians on both sides are stealing everything out from under us. Okay. So they talk about that. They're talking about how uh, this is a significant breakthrough. They could pave the way for passage of a chunk of Biden's domestic agenda. But, quote, there are many hurdles and many landmines ahead, end quote. Yeah, that's an understatement. Um, they go on to say, quote, the details have still not been written, end quote. My question is, how can you have a responsible deal when the details haven't been determined? You can't do that. Good Lord. Well, then they talk about how uh, Democratic leaders got together late night last night, meeting with White House officials. Um, they're trying to plan this series of parliamentary steps, uh, excuse me, so they can pass the bipartisan plan, but also a larger Democrat-only uh, bill that I assume would happen through reconciliation because it's budgetary. Um, and, you know, this is... And it is through budget reconciliation, they, they did say that, according to Pelosi. Um, Pelosi was quoted as saying, both tracks, the bipartisan track and the budget reconciliation track are proceeding on pace, and we hope to have voted on both of them in the Senate and the House in July, end quote. You know, here's the thing. It doesn't matter, because it's still a garbage plan. Now, President Biden originally had a plan that would put America back to work, and it was, a, I believe, $6 trillion. And it was a different type of thing. It would have been, um, my understanding is that President Biden's plan would have taxed corporate and the billionaire class to some degree in order to fund infrastructure. But once again, you know that didn't go anywhere. And you also know that the Democrats, the corporate Democrats, aren't going to fight very hard for it. These are some of the same dem corporate Democrats, like Chris Coons, for instance, that won't fight to end the 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 silent filibuster. So it's, you know, basically a case of Lucy promising Charlie Brown she won't pull the football away, and you know what's going to happen. So uh, basically the, the uh, Gang of 21 is claiming, according to this piece, they have a framework. That's nice. Um, Romney and Manchin both said that this Arasat's plan is, quote, fully paid for and offsets the new spending, end quote. Um, my, my question is this, and really my statement is, it's the details of the payback scheme that should worry everyone. This is a scam, and it benefits Wall Street and other banks around the world. This is a scam that Trump himself admired. Keep in mind, um, Manchin is quoted saying everyone in that room agreed on the framework, and that's what he told CNN. Okay, and Romney was saying that the pay-fors, as he put them, have been fully agreed to as well. Okay, my question is, so if the pay-fors, as they put it, have been fully agreed to, why are they being kept secret? Why did I have to re rely on leaked information to find out what was going on? And it was leaked. Uh, Senator Portman, one of the lead GOP negotiators, um, you know, was quoted as saying, quote, I think we have a good balanced group of pay-fors, and that was important to both sides. Um, you know, once again, he said a lot of nothing. So this goes on and on and on, and then they talk to a section about how to pay for infrastructure, um, and they're 
you know, CNN explained how the challenge for this bipartisan group is how you're going to pay for it. Um, and the Republicans refused to allow any new tax increases. Well, it went further than that. The Republicans, actually, the bipartisan committee, Republicans and Democrats alike, retained the massive tax cuts for the rich that Trump got. So nothing new here. Um, and some of the ways, some of the schemes they're saying, some of the aids for this particular bipartisan group in the talks, uh, they claimed that they told CNN there was a robust discussion, whatever that means. And they were talking about how to enforce existing tax laws and, quote, enforcing people to turn over unpaid money to the IRS. Okay. But my response is this. It's not Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos who will be harassed by the IRS. It's going to be regular wage earners who are barely making it, while the major tax cuts won by Trump are maintained. So they're going to pressure the little guy. How nice. And yet I'm being extremely sarcastic. There's a section on policing. Uh, once again, this is going to rob public coffers of public resources and money, but the police will be intact. So again, this is kind of ridiculous. So let's go on, all right? Let, we're going to talk about the leaked details that were reported in Common Dreams uh, by Jake Johnson. And this was actually almost a week ago, June 18th. The article read, critics warned bipartisan infrastructure plan would, quote, facilitate a Wall Street takeover. And went on to say, quote, this deal is a disaster in the making and it must be rejected. So this is where actual leaked information came from, in part, and some of the, the links in the article. So, uh, again, this article is talking about how the, this gang of 21 refused to touch the GOP tax cuts in 2017 for the wealthy and large corporations. And so this gang of 21 was looking at what they call alternative infrastructure funding mechanisms and critics have basically called it out is basically this is a not so thinly veiled scheme to privatize, quote, the nation's roads, bridges, and water systems, end quote. All right, and that was uh, the water systems part. Uh, it's reported by NBCNews.com, and they talked about that as well. So Mary Grant of Food and Water Watch was, um, was quoted, quote, communities across the country have been ripped off by public-private schemes than enrich corporations and Wall Street investors. So that's how they're going to fund this. Now, what leaked out, there was a two-page memo, and it leaked out and Politico had it as well. And this was an outline of the possible, possibly finalized plan. And among their outline, they listed clear as about the following strategies. These would be the ways they would pay for, for basically infrastructure. One, public-private partnerships. Here's the thing. Do you honest, is anybody out there really stupid enough to believe that a private corporation would, put, would basically dish out big money without expecting a much bigger payout? Of course they wouldn't. Public-private partnerships is just a euphemism for privatization. Number two, private activity bonds. Okay, they're going to sell bonds to Wall Street. Okay, and Wall Street's going to own it. And then the last part, which is really a cute title, asset recycling. And that's the most dangerous part, okay? 
Now, these are the three potential ways that the Gang of 21 want to finance this infrastructure package. It would be $579 billion in new spending over five years. But again, it would be paid for through, one, public-private partnerships, which is, again, privatization, private activity bonds, in other words, selling it to Wall Street, which, is, again, is privatization, and asset recycling, which is, again, another form of privatization that we're going to talk about in more depth. Now, let's talk about asset recycling. Asset recycling, I'm just going to read this straight from, um, you know, straight from Jake Johnson's report here. And again, this came from a leaked memo that Politico got, all right? Asset recycling, quote, asset recycling refers to the practice of leasing out or selling off public infrastructure to private corporations and using the proceeds to fund other projects, a policy that Australia has used widely and that former U.S. President Donald Trump proposed replicating in 2017, end quote. Pretty clear. Basically, it's selling the farm. But it gets a little deeper than that, all right? So um, there was a U U.S. research non-for-profit group known as called In the Public Interest. Excuse <coughs> <coughs> me, people. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. So In the Public Interest is a nonpartisan group that studies this type of issue. In fact, there is actually an article about it but they look into what are the responsibilities of people that serve in the public sector, including legislators. So the U.S. Research Group uh, nonprofit in the public interest um, noted some things about asset recycling in Australia, because that's where we know it was used quite a bit, in a 2017 report that they, that they created. To quote from the report, quote, the Australian Asset Recycling Program ultimately crashed and burned, and the fund itself was formally ended in December 2016. Our own country's experience shows that transferring control of public infrastructure to private interests is fraught with problems. And then the report, end quote, so the report goes on. Another quote from the report, quote, one such example is the privatization of Chicago's parking meters. In 2009, Chicago signed a 75-year, 75 years, good God, signed a 75-year public-private partnership with a consortium of companies for the operation of the city's 36,000 parking meters. Although the city received $1.15 billion in the deal, Chicago drivers will pay the consortium at least $11.6 billion to park at meters over the life of the contract. The contract required Chicago to raise parking meter fees. You're not going to believe this. Required Chicago. I'm going to go. I'm going to back up here. You're just, this is really good. The the contact the contact with them. Start again. The contract required Chicago to raise parking meter fees by 200 to 800 percent, depending on the area of the city, from 2009 to 2013. Um, and then there was a statement issued Thursday from Common Dreams just this past Thursday, um, that as the details of this bipartisan proposal leaked out, um, the advocacy group known as Food and Water Watch issued a warning also. Mary Grant from Food and Water Watch said the following, that the plan would, quote, 
piled further burdens on communities struggling to recover from the COVID pandemic. Quote, it promotes privatization and so-called public-private partnerships instead of making public investments in publicly owned infrastructure. This package does not provide adequate funding to rebuild and repair our country's infrastructure. It is nothing more than an outrageously expensive way to borrow funds with the ultimate bill paid back by households and local businesses in the form of higher rates. Communities across the country have been ripped off by public-private schemes that enrich corporations and Wall Street investors. This deal is a disaster in the making, and it must be rejected, end quote. Wow. An organizer with the same group with Food and Water Watch named Rihanna Echo also issued a warning, and she said that this bipartisan proposal, quote, would facilitate a Wall Street takeover of public services like water, which would lead to higher rates, worse service, and job cuts. End quote. Food and Water Watch uh, issued a report just uh, recent, yeah, just in March, that um, that warned that on average, quote, private privately owned utilities charge households 59% more than local governments for drinking water service. We talked about problems with drinking water service in you know on this program before. The bipartisan group is led by Senators Kirsten Sinema and Rob Portman. Um, and this is an alternative to Biden's original plan, which was the American Jobs Proposal. Now, Biden's original plan would have called for, I, I beg to differ, would, would have called for over $2 trillion in new spending over eight years. And it would be financed, at least in part, by raising taxes on corporations and the wealthy. So you know that the corporate Democrats that are on this gang of 21, as well as the GOPers, they're there to protect the wealthy and the corporate world, nothing else. Now we have somebody else named Morris Pearl, who ironically is with Patriotic Millionaires. He's the chair. And he, he issued a warning. Good God. He said just this past Thursday um, that basically saying that any changes to the 2017 GOP tax cuts were off limits, and because they were off limits, this bipartisan Senate group is showing that it's, quote, more interested in having less infrastructure investment in order to justify keeping in place a rigged tax code that favors corporations and the rich, rather than actually coming up with a plan that solves the enormous challenges that our country faces. And Pearl goes on to say, from Patriotic Millionaires, Quote, if the choice is between a good deal and a bipartisan deal, Democratic senators must choose the good deal. They must prioritize doing what the American people are asking for, which is to raise taxes on the rich and corporations. Two-thirds of voters support raising taxes on corporations to pay for President Biden's infrastructure investment. And that two-thirds estimate, there, there's a link there. So, you know, Somebody I respect immensely, Bernie Sanders, was very disappointing in his response to this. He has a $6 trillion infrastructure and safety net spending proposal. Keep in mind, this bipartisan group worked behind closed doors in secret. Even though uh, this isn't national security, the public has a right to know what they're coming up with before any vote takes place. But, you know, Bernie was disappointing on this. There is another plan, um, and... Basically, this plan, the $6 trillion plan, would lower the Medicare eligibility age to 60 from 65 
and it would expand Medicare to cover vision, hearing, and dental, which sounds lovely. Um, there's also a point, uh, part of the plan was allowing Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices. The problem is this, it is much whittled down already. Now, I'm in that group. If, it, if Medicare were lo lowered from 65 to 60, I would benefit personally. But that shouldn't be. I refuse to accept something for myself at the expense of everyone else. No, yes, I'll stick together. So I was very disappointed with Bernie today. Kind of angry. So now let's go. We'll talk a little more. We already talked. This is a scam, right? And it wasn't just my opinion. David Dayen, writing for, I'm sorry, excuse me, um, you know, writing for uh, what is it? The American Prospect. Let me make sure I got this straight. Yes, um, wrote a piece that ran about three days ago. And this particular piece, the headline is. Bipartisan Senate infrastructure plan is a stalking horse for privatization. The scheme would fund new infrastructure by selling off old infrastructure. Trump proposed the same thing. And Dan's true, okay? In fact, I even downloaded the Washington Post article from 2017 that talks about how the Trump team wanted to do, especially this asset recycling scheme, um, just to have it here. So David Dan is right on the money. Um, and he talks about this Red River Diversion, which is something that's happening in Fargo, North Dakota. It is a $3 billion public-private partnership. Now, to quote David Dayan, I'm just going to read this, all right? Quote, if you believe that the Senate bipartisan infrastructure proposal is just part of a whole that some of President Biden's spending can pass in there under regular order, and the rest in a larger reconciliation package, then you might see it as a benign way to boost Biden's bipartisan deal-making capabilities without sacrificing anything. As I've written, I mean Stan, in other words, there's not yet enough trust among the Democratic caucus for Biden to make that sale. But if you see the bill as not wholly additive but subtractive, you might reject it in its own terms. We haven't heard this critique much from progressive opponents of the proposal, Mostly they talk about the lack of climate mitigation or other policies and how passage of a second bill later is not guaranteed. But there's an extremely valid concern about the substance of the bipartisan package. And I agree with them. And the substance has to do with what Romney called quaintly the pay-fors. In other words, how are you going to fund this? And it is a scam. And Diane admitted, you know, they, they, none of us have many details. But everybody, you know, Politico was able to access a fact sheet that allegedly was written by one of the 21 senators in this bipartisan committee. Don't know which one. And it leaked out. And because of that fact sheet, we know that one, the GOP rejected um, basically offsetting any of the $579 billion in new spending proposed with tax increases. They refused to increase taxes. Now, mind you, they don't have a problem squeezing the poor and the middle class for every cent of taxes, but they're not going to raise taxes on the rich. Sounds a lot like the sheriff in Nottingham. But Dan explains the fact sheet lists 11 alternatives, and these are alternatives to tax increases in terms of how they're going to fund this infrastructure. Now, keep in mind, 
We wouldn't be in this in this predicament if the pre, if the previous tax structure remained from say those 1960s where the rich paid at least on earned income like 90 percent, whatever. Okay, believe me, Jeff, Jeff Bezos will never miss it. But let's talk about this fact sheet of 11 alternatives. One of them is to quote reduce the IRS tax gap. In other words. They're going to squeeze poor people and working class people for every dime, but Jeff Bezos won't have to pay. Now, the Gang of 21 does agree, according to this fact sheet, with, uh, that the Congressional Budget Office's scoring um, does force them to dig deeper. Um, so anyway, the list, you know, Dan says, you know, is absurd. It includes paying, in air quotes, for infrastructure with direct pay municipal bonds and an infrastructure financing authority, which just, he just says basically, this is another form of loans, of borrowing from the rich. And keep in mind, whatever we borrow, we have to pay back. And if they call the loan, they own it. Those are our public resources. So here's the proof of duplicity. Dan talks about how the really scary piece is labeled the following. Quote, public-private partnerships, private activity bonds, and asset recycling, okay? And as I said also, this is basically in terms of paying for infrastructure, yes, they're planning on selling off public resources like in a fire sale to private financiers, all right, to private banks. And this is exactly what Trump wanted, all right? Uh, in fact, it's almost identical to the Trump plan, all right? Uh, ironically, when Trump proposes, the Democrats opposed, when Trump proposed these same, these same tools, public-private partnerships, private activity bonds, and asset recycling, when Trump proposed and his team did, the Democrats went against it. But all of a sudden now it's acceptable? So... Wilbur Ross and Peter Navarro and both had high-level jobs in the Trump administration. They wrote a paper right before the 2016 election, okay, and that I have that link if you need it. And they outlined their vision. They wanted one, tr- quote, they wanted one trillion in investment provided by private bond, bu- private bond buyers who would be, I'm just going to read this straight through. Their vision was the following, quote, one trillion in investment provided by private bond buyers who would be guaranteed a tax credit to buy the bonds, interest on the debt, and an equity stake with dividends with up to a 10% profit margin, end quote. Okay, if I'm, if I'm understanding this correctly, the Trump team wanted to privatize infrastructure, including our public resources like Waterworks, uh, to the tune of a trillion, and not only that, but the private investors would be guaranteed a tax credit to buy the bonds. So that would actually, that tax credit means it's that fewer taxes paid, which would worsen the tax deficit. So basically the taxpayers, the people that actually pay taxes, little people like me, would actually be funding this tax bond, the tax credit, to buy the bonds to privatize our public resources. Damn. Talk about scam artists, okay? And Dan calls it out too. It is ridiculous. Um, you know, 
he explains how governments usually contract out, um, you know, their needs, but there's different ways to pay the companies. Um, so once again, the Democrats objected to giving up public assets to private investors, okay? And that was as reported by Business Insider. Um, and keep in mind, the biggest billionaires would be favored, okay? And the biggest money makers would be favored, which means that projects in impoverished areas in the city or in rural areas that don't have a lot of valuable um, natural resources, they wouldn't get anything, okay? Not only that, but the public ownership, the governments would lose ownership of that. We're basically, this plan would call for selling off our public resources that belong to all of us. Now, I'm going to maintain something, that no government, no Congress, no president, no court has the has legitimate right to sell off our public resources. They belong to all of us. They're public for a reason. They're protected from these type of jackals and vultures, okay? But the public would have been gouged, okay? And so the Democrats went against this plan that Trump favored and that was actually written up in the Washington Post. So why are these moderate Democrats all of a sudden pushing what Dayen calls a soft version of the Trump scheme, okay, using tax-exempt bonds to entice investors into these infrastructure projects. Again, tax-exempt bonds. Again, we're going in further because we're not making these people pay taxes, and we're going to give them money, and we're going to sell them our public, our public resources? Really? This is a much more sophisticated version of I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you really cheap. It's that dishonest. This is not hyperbole. It just is. Okay? So Dan goes on to explain how private activity bonds that are in the bipartisan proposal, you said, yes, they're a soft version of the Trump scheme of tax-exempt bonds, you know, to entice investors into these infrastructure projects. He went on to say, quote, a substantial amount of the private activity bonds issued by the Department of Transportation in recent years are for high-occupancy toll lanes, public-private partnerships. Okay, so let me explain that. Issued by the Department of, of Transportation. And who was in charge of the Department of Transportation in the Trump era? Wasn't it Elaine Chow, you know, Mitch McConnell's wife? So anyway, Diane goes on and he says, it, he comes out and says, it, quote, public-private partnerships are a euphemism for privatization with companies controlling a natural monopoly like an expressway or a water line, end quote. He's right. And then he talks about, goes into some detail now about this asset recycling nonsense. It's just another scam. It's an idea that came out of this Australia, okay, um, in the public interest, did a paper on it, entitled Asset Recycling Lessons Learned, and this was in 2017. We're going to be talking about it a little bit. And Dan calls it out, he calls it out as really, quote, just an enormous shell game. You remember the shell game, where basically you try and find where the P is, and, you know, the fact is that the person running the game has palmed the P. So no matter what you pick, you're going to lose. Well, that's what asset recycling is. No matter what we pick, the public is going to lose. Okay. 
And he goes on about asset recycling, quote, it involves selling off public infrastructure to acquire the resources to build new infrastructure. Okay. And he comes on and says what I said too, it's basically robbing Peter to pay Paul. You are basically selling off public resources to get some money to build some new infrastructure. But keep in mind, a lot of these contracts in these asset recycling scams go on sometimes for 75, 99 years. And it's never enough money when you figure in the index for inflation as well, so that these municipalities, local, state, and federal government wind up not having enough money to complete anything. So not only is the infrastructure not completely not completely built, but then when the private financiers decide to call the loan, they own the public uh the public resources, and you don't have any services. In fact, asset recycling has been compared to the idea that you you sell your house or even mortgage it deeply in a way you can't possibly pay back so you can buy a new car. It's that stupid. So these deals uh, occurred in the Northern Territory in Australia, one such deal, they sold the Darwin port to a Chinese firm for 99 years. And according to this quote, according to the Guardian, without even having another infrastructure project ready to spend the money on. And Dan calls these fire sales because they do. He's right. They underprice the assets. All right. It's sold cheap. The proceeds, uh, whatever you get out of it, go into basically projects that aren't very well planned probably won't succeed or unsound, but they're based on what the politicians want, not what the public needs. Um, states with assets to sell, get more capital. Um, and by 2016, this project started in, I think it was 2014, and by 2016, two years later, the Australian project shut down. Um, then they talk about the parking meter situation in Chicago. Okay, um, and this is crazy. They sold off, the city of Chicago sold off 36,000 parking meters to this Wall Street-led investor group in 09. And Chicago got like $1.15 billion to help them fill in some budgetary problems. Chicago drivers paid over, as I said before, $11.6 billion over a 75-year life of the deal to park. Anyway, it goes on and on and on. And... I believe in another study I read that um, in some areas of the city of Chicago, it costs $7 to feed the meters for two hours. Can you imagine what the cost would be for water service? Something far more important? Or budgeting for schools? Or public health? We've seen we're in the middle of a COVID pandemic. What would happen under that? under a second pandemic. Do you honestly think the Wall Street vultures would allow people to get vaccines or medication? I don't think so. So, and, and Dan goes on, he explains how when, you know, Democrats condemned this concept when Trump proposed it, but those same Democrats are silent about it now, okay? In fact, he noted that 10 Senate Democrats signed off on the privatization scheme. On the privatization scheme, and even Bernie Sanders called it 
a privatization of infrastructure on Meet the Press this past weekend, and you know, as a reason not to support it. But you know, he said that we don't have the details right now. Okay, but we have a right to know the whole, the entire plan. My question is, why isn't Bernie demanding the details? You know, this is basically once again you're trying to get Congress to vote on something with. Even members of Congress don't know the details, much less the public. We all have a right to know. Okay, so put bluntly, this plan would, quote, fleece the country's public works. The common, so according to Dan, he said that this plan would, quote, fleece the country's public works, the common institutions we all paid to build, and allow private companies to control them, end quote. And the last sentence in Dayan's article, quote, it was unacceptable under a kleptocratic Republican president, and there's nothing different about it that would make it suddenly acceptable to the same opponents today, end quote. And he's right. He's totally right. But do you see any of these questions in the mainstream media? No. So I downloaded the report, the um, article that ran in the Washington Post in 2017. Trump's original plan, which this is borrowed from, to sell off public properties. And this plan is almost identical, this bipartisan plan, to what Trump wanted in 2017. Okay? The fact is this bipartisan plan is just a rewarmed version. It's just as corrupt with little to no transparency and no accountability measures. So from the Washington Post in 2017 by Michael Laris, the headline is Trump advisors call for privatizing some public assets to build new infrastructure. And it's the same thing that Dan talked about, this business about asset recycling, okay? Uh, Trump, invite, Trump advisors, um, you know, again, this asset recycling is about selling your home at a bargain basement price in order to finance a car, okay? So the idea being that local governments, state and local governments, I guess federal governments too, would sell some of their assets, um, and the Trump advisors were saying in their original plan that the administration might pay them a bonus, okay? Um, Australia did this. They called it asset recycling. Um, there was a 99-year lease in Australia of a state-owned electrical grid, and it was um, leased out to pay for improvements to the Sydney, Australia metro, in other words, the public transportation. To me, this looks... It sounds a lot like a payday loan with repayment to come from proceeds obtained from selling your home to go live in a tent. Okay? Um, and back in 2017, I was right, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow was for this. She's married to Mitch McConnell. Um, again, they talked about the parking meter deal in Chicago. Um, Elaine Chow also in 2017 bragged about how in my hometown of St. Louis, they were working, that St. Louis was working with federal officials to try and privatize our, our airport, Lambert International. But activists here in St. Louis stopped it. Okay, I remember that. People were up in arms. Um, but, you know, again, there's two themes going on here, both in Trump's 2017 proposal, the original proposal and practice coming out of Australia in 2014, and this bipartisan group, and that is that they want private companies to
to, quote, fund, build, and run most of the basic infrastructure of American life. And that all the while, the corporations and the very rich evade the very taxes which would have prevented this fire sale desperation. It is what it is. And if it sounds like I'm repeating the same things again, it's because these people use all these all these words to say the same thing. This is a scam. Just is. And we're talking about public infrastructure. It's not just parking meters or an airport. It's our water systems. It's the electrical and the power grid, the communication grid. It's our public schools. Do you really want to leave your children to Wall Street's, and I'm being very sarcastic, tender mercies? No. It's public health. We've seen what happened when we didn't have really any real public health provisions when COVID hit. And even then, the government helped us a little bit. Can you imagine what it would be like if public health systems were turned over to Wall Street? That's what we're talking about here. Um, public stewards have concerns. They had concerns back in 2017. Okay. Um, Kevin DeGood, who in 2017 was the Director of Infrastructure Policy at the Center for American Progress, which is a liberal advocacy group, was quoted. Um, excuse me. He said, quote, building infrastructure faster and without adequate t- study or time for community input, notice community input, may be good for developers, but it's lousy for everyone else. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, They go on to say there was a civil engineering group in March of 2017, and they considered, quote, a $2 trillion 10-year investment gap in the following, the nation's roads, transit systems, bridges, water systems, power grids, parks, ports, and schools, end quote. Okay, so I was, you know, on the money here. Um, And basically this is about selling off our public resources. And there would be no real provision for transparency or accountability. Okay, so let's move on. So asset recycling, that's what this, this real kicker is in Australia. Apparently, Australia has really pushed for privatization for quite a while now. But they launched their asset recycling initiative in 2014. Okay. And there was an official uh, from Go. Let's see now. This is, I think we were talking about Cone again. Give me a second here. A lot of information here. Let's see. Well, anyway, one of the Trump people that was for this, um, Mr. Cohn, was, he was also former president of Goldman Sachs. And he was quoted as telling executives at the White House in 2017 during the Trump years, quote, instead of people in cities and states and municipalities coming to us and saying, please give us money to build a project and not knowing if it will get maintained and not knowing if it will get built, we say, hey, take a project you have right now, sell it off privatize it. We know it will get maintained and we'll reward you for privatizing it, end quote. And what right, again, does the government have to sell off public resources that belong to all of us? 
period. It's a public trust. Well, people got up in arms about the idea of Trump wanting to sell Yellowstone Park because it was a national park. It was a public resource. How is this any different? It's not. So, again, you have the Northern Territory government in Australia with that earlier detailed how they leased the Port of Darwin to a Chinese-owned firm for 99 years, and it produced a debate over national security. And this is not xenophobic either. It's a legitimate debate because you can't separate corporate entities in China from the Chinese government. It is a legitimate concern. So, you know, once again, this is the nonsense. Now, we also have another article about asset recycling, the scam that is known as asset recycling uh, in Australia, just another Wall Street scam, okay? And the headline was, it was written by, by John Quiggin four years ago, quote, asset recycling may look new and exciting, but it's the last gasp of a failed model, okay? And it talks about Donald Trump again, how he wanted to do this. And, you know, the Trump administration was looking for ways to finance infrastructure, and they looked to what is called the, the three Ps, public-private partnerships. And then the most recent version, asset recycling, which basically, again, you sell off public assets and then use the proceeds to finance new investments. But if you don't get enough money, then you not only don't get the new investments completed, but now a private entity owns this public resource and can jack up the prices to the point where, you know, average people wouldn't be able to afford their water bill. I'm not talking about swimming pool. I'm talking about drinking water. So public-private partnerships, they ask how effective are they. They're not. Okay. Um, in Australia, their asset recycling fund began in 2014, was shut down in 2016. Um, basically, asset recycling is another example of casino capitalism. You're handing the keys to the public coffers to the thieves, the Wall Street thieves. Okay. Um, and part of the problem is this with the asset recycling idea. The idea that you're selling these resources for income generation, but you sold it and it didn't generate income, okay? It, 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 this sounds like a, a scary shell game. It is, okay? Um, you know, once again, there were some other examples in Australia. Uh, part of Australia, they privatized their electricity grid, um, you know, again, in southern Australia, and then they suffered a series of blackouts, after which the southern Australia Labor State Government announced that it would build its own gas-fired uh, gas fired power plant, according to Adelaide.now, AdelaideNow.com Australia. Okay, so they pushed this infrastructure scheme. What happened in Texas with the blackouts and people in a cold snap having no power and no clean water could happen all over the country. Because what happened in Texas was privatization. This infrastructure bill, this, this bipartisan compromise is basically what happened in Texas on steroids. 
That's what's going to happen. Okay. So, you know, this is what we're talking about. So, in the public interest, let's go to a research brief that they wrote in June of 2017. Now, in the public interest is a research and policy center, quote, committed to promoting the common good and democratic control of public goods and services. We help citizens, public officials, advocacy groups, and researchers better understand the impacts that government contracts and public-private agreements have on service quality, democratic decision-making, and public budgets, end quote. So these are lessons to be learned from the Australian Asset Recycling Program. Again, pretty much the same, the same asset recycling scheme that this bipartisan committee wants to inflict on us, okay? Again, it would be Texas, the Texas brownout, Texas blackout, all over again, but throughout the country. This is a scam with zero accountability. They go on saying the same thing. It's according to In the Public Interest, this group, it is privatization rebranded with a new name. They sell off existing public infrastructure to pay for new infrastructure. In Australia, those asset recycling schemes basically were nothing more than expensive loans with long-term concession contracts with a lot of problems, a lot of featured problems. Okay? It was introduced again in 2014. The Australian Asset Recycling Program ultimately crashed and burned and the fund itself was formally ended in December 2016, end quote. Um, so this is what we're dealing with here, okay? And this is the, again, they talk about Chicago parking meters. Um, the company that owned it, um, they required Chicago to raise parking meter fees. And this is where I got the fact that said parking rates were basically $7 for two hours of parking in some parts of the city, okay? Um, and the city was also restricted from making improvements to streets, the meters, you know, because it, if it would decrease corporate revenues. So here you have the corporation interfering with other governmental duties, okay? Um, and the city of Chicago, according to this, it's been such a lousy deal that, quote, they had to pay the consortium $31 million due to these contract provisions. Okay, so Chicago got a little bit of money, and then when the money ran out, they had to pay this corporate entity boatloads of money while they're being ripped off. Okay? So let's talk about asset recycling. One of the concerns by this group is that it encourages Asset recycling encourages flawed decision-making and it distorts incentives, okay? Um, Gary Cohn, who I mentioned before in the Washington Post article, he was director of Trump's National Economic Council. He was a former president of Goldman Sachs. Um, and his take was, quote, the bigger the thing you privatize, the more money we'll give you, end quote. Okay. So, again, this report from In the Public Interest, this position paper, they – analyzed the Australian Asset Recycling Program. Um, they noted that the Asset Recycling Program in Australia offered a 15% federal subsidy for states and territories that sold existing assets. So they, the government was bribing these local governments in Australia to sell off their public resources. Okay? But the subsidy encouraged flawed decision-making and distorted incentives. Um, 
they also they also found excuse me also found that the decision to privatize existing assets was obviously influenced by the presence of subsidies or bribes. Of course, it was. Um, and this they talked about the Darwin Port situation. They leased it to a Chinese company, um, but they there was no understanding of where the money would go. Okay, so. Uh, you know, they're in this particular scheme, there's no analysis of whether privatization is really in the public's interest. Um, in fact, the subsidy really creates an incentive for states and local governments to rush to the decision and to hide, you know, the fact that this may not be good for, you know, for the, for the public. And we saw that in St. Louis. You know, the city government was in a big rush to go along with Elaine Chow and the Trump administration to privatize Lambert. And I'm sure that there was some incentive there, some monetary incentive, but the community got together and we fought it and we ended it. Okay, so this encourages kind of a form of legalized bribery. Again, this is all about corruption. Okay, uh, again, the parking meters, Give you an example. Chicago got 1.15 billion for the parking meters, but drivers will pay about 11.6 billion to park. The city will lose out on that funding, by the way. That's money the city could have got, could have received, that could have gone into public schools or public health that they will not see. It will go straight to Wall Street. And then after the deal was signed, apparently Chicago's Inspector General came to the conclusion that the city quote significantly undersold the asset. Well, duh. Um, another complaint about asset recycling is it creates the potential for unfairness and inequity between states and localities, all right? Because, again, if you have an area that has more natural resources, they're going to get more of a monetary incentive, more of a bribe. Um, in Australia, the province of Victoria signed a 50-year lease for the Port of Melbourne, but they were denied the 15% subsidy by the federal government because the government said that it had to be used for the Melbourne Metro Rail Project, which was already funded. Um, the subsidy can be used as a way to punish or reward states or localities. All right, so you go along with the federal government, you get a, the politicians get a nice reward, the public gets screwed, but if you fight them, then you're going to see money's taken away. Okay, this has corruption written all over it. And in Victoria Province, the treasurer did accuse the federal government of withholding bonus funds, quote, for politically motivated reasons. No wonder Trump loved this, okay? This is graft. This is Tammany Hall. Not No... No mystery here. Um, asset recycling favors asset-rich asset rich states, obviously. Um, and it can set up these incentives to negatively impact cities and states. Um, so in 2015, there was a committee from the Australia Senate Economics References Okay, let me back up. The Australian Senate Economic References Committee in 2015 
set up some hearings about the asset recycling program, and then they produced a report that included the following concerns. Okay, the committee um, con the committee was concerned that the asset recycling initiative would encourage privatization. One, uh, it would encourage privatization without effective public consult, without effective communication strategies, and without appropriate consideration, and most importantly, without appropriate analysis of future costs. You know, what is this going to happen down the road when the money goes out, when that first payment's done? This sounds a lot like signing a blank check, because it is. Okay. The committee in Australia encouraged local governments to, quote, one, quote, conduct proper rigorous analysis of, of all current and future costs associated with privatization projects. Uh, in addition, they also encourage thorough and appropriate public consultation that should always occur, including consultation around transaction costs and the cost of creating an appropriate regulatory environment and compliance with those arrangements, end quote. Okay. The risk and the cost of privatization, including asset recycling, there's rush, rush decision-making to meet deadlines. Okay. In other words, if you don't do this fast enough, you're not going to get that subsidy. So here's the thing. Legitimate deal makers don't rush these things. The reason they want it rushed is so that you don't have time to analyze the deal and see what's really there. Asset recycling programs also suffer from a huge lack of transparency and high transaction costs. Okay? It is a scam. Now, getting back to this, so we've covered that this is a scam, all right? It's obvious. Um, then last night, you know, I, The Intercept did an article about this group called No Labels. And No Labels brags about being, um, let's see, nonpartisan, and they're all about bipartisan solutions, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, in there, Joe Manchin, you know, the favorite Republican that's not, that claims he's not a Republican, you know, a tape leaked out where he was talking to people, no labels, and implying that he needed some assistance, some sort of financial reward in order to get his buddy, Roy Blunt, Missouri, to go along with this other bill so that they could protect the silent filibuster, which is the key of all this. So I'm not saying that no labels is fine with, paying bribes, that would be unfair, but they are backed by billionaires, and once again, when you talk about bipartisanship and compromise, you can't have a compromise when you're dealing with a group that is not an honest broker, and that's the GOP. And you can't have a compromise with the GOP of Trump, who either wholeheartedly endorsed white supremacy and neo-Nazis and an attack on the Capitol, or people like Mitt Romney who basically didn't like it but remained silent during the Trump years. It's inexcusable. So I received this email last night from the director of No Labels. Her name's Margaret White. And I got on their mailing list because I wanted to see what it was about. Now, No Labels backs this deal, this bipartisan deal, you know, of privatization and asset um, recycling. Just love that name. And in the email, which really enraged me, Margaret White also made a statement uh, 
she also made this false equivalence argument where she linked the political left to the fascist of, all, of the, of the uh, far right, you know, where she men made mention of, you know, the extremists on both the political left and the right. And this was in an email asking to support this skunk of a deal which signs away the public's right to public resources. So the rich don't have to pay their fair share in taxes. And this was, I'm just going to read from this, from this, okay? It says, from Karl Rove to Senator Mark Warner to Senator Rob Portman to Representative Lee, the Washington conventional wisdom has finally caught up with the reality. Patriots on Capitol Hill are ready to stand up to the extremes of both the left and right. Work through the details and make this a reality, being this deal, okay? The G21 Senate group and the House problem solvers continue to flesh out the details of a $1.2 trillion package, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so it was that extremes of both left and right. You know, if I could reach the screen and, as the saying goes, knock Margaret White upside of the head, I would. You know, as a woman who is part Hispanic and a Jew, I, the, the tone deafness of this enraged me. How dare she act on this, this false equivalence? No, you don't compare a liberal Jew to the neo-Nazis of the far right and the, the GOP of Trump. You don't. So they have some phony, so they have these little studies saying that these voters in Delaware and in Maryland are for this. Keep in mind, Margaret White didn't feel any need to work any harder than copy and paste directly from the label, the no labels ARZAT study. And the memo focuses on Delaware and Maryland. These voters in Delaware and Maryland are so for this deal. But besides the memo being tone deaf, pushing this false equivalence argument and slandering the political left. There's no mention of the suffering in the rest of the U.S. No mention of our health care crisis, which the Affordable Care Act did not solve. No mention how many physicians are refusing to accept Affordable Care Act-covered patients. No mention of the minimum wage, which is at a third-world level, a starvation wage. No mention of the simple, inconvenient truth that this bipartisan deal mandates the privatization of public resources as payment for infrastructure, which should have been financed through an equitable tax system, which does not unduly allow the rich to technically evade paying their fair share of infrastructure costs. Because that's what pays for infrastructure, taxes. Sorry, didn't mean to yell. So once again, corporate Democrats, who frankly just may as well join the ranks of the GOP, are selling us out to the whims of that same GOP. Keep in mind, the no labels group claims to be bipartisan, but this sounds a lot like Republicans to me. And, and keep in mind, too, no labels and their buddy Joe Manchin is desperate to hold on to the silent filibuster so that there's, so basically nothing happens. And there's a label for the people that make up the, the group, no labels. It's called corporate sellouts. So, you know, we have Bernie Sanders pushing progressives to accept this deal as a newer deal is magically promised in the future that will satisfy progressive goals. Now, forget the fact there's been no transparency regarding the details of this deal, which means no details on the proposed privatization of public assets such as our water supply, power grid, look to Texas to see what will happen, 
and the details on the scam, otherwise known as asset recycling. Where's the mainstream media on these points? Why has the public been kept in the dark regarding the details of the future payment for this infrastructure plan? Conclusion. Gosh. This bipartisan, and in air quotes, this bipartisan infrastructure proposal is a scam. It allows privatization of public resources at bargain basement prices, while the very rich and the corporate are let off the proverbial hook in terms of paying their fair share in taxes. It is indeed richly ironic that the very legal tax evasion used by the rich, engineered by both parties, is what caused this problem in the first place. Why in the world should we subsidize the life of Jeff Bezos, who abuses his employees in Amazon, and additionally relinquish public resources such as our water systems on power grid to private corporations who aren't required to provide any reasonable measure of accountability or transparency. Public assets, public resources, they belong to all of us. They were set aside for future generations to be available to all, regardless of economic status. Public resources like our water supply, power grid, they must be off limits to any private groups corporations, banks, etc. I've said it before and I'll say it again. No Congress, no U.S. trade representative, no court, and certainly no president has a right to sign away our children's futures in what can only be called a bargain basement scam of a fire sale to the very rich and Wall Street. And get this, not only do the rich get to essentially steal our public resources in this scam, but they continue to evade paying their fair share in taxes. Again, keep in mind, okay, had the rich, the very rich, the 1%, the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates, et cetera, been forced to pay their fair share in taxes on earned income, unearned income, and estates to the previous historic levels of 90%, for the billionaire class, that those previous levels that built the great American middle class. There'd be no need to mortgage our public resources and with it mortgage our, our, our children's future. Taxes are what pay for infrastructure. These people won't pay taxes. That's why we're in this, this mess. And then we have this bipartisan group of sellout vultures. There's no other term for them that would privatize Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, Rob Portman, they would privatize, hell, they'd privatize the very air we breathe if they thought they could get away with it. Now, the consideration that has been omitted from this bipartisan discussion slash scheme is the proper role of public representatives. Okay? Think about it for a minute. The public interest is paramount and should come before any political wins, financially or politically. And now we come back to one of the primary instigators, Kirsten Cinema. Now Cinema, gosh, oh my Lord, she loved to pontificate on the premise of a principled stand. Though it looks like her only principle seems to revolve on this non-issue of bipartisanship. Now, I harp on Kirsten Cinema because, oh, Frankly, her hypocrisy knows no boundaries. 
I would challenge cinema and the others to consider that when people are starving in the middle of a pandemic, when 600,000 Americans have perished because there wasn't a public health system during the pandemic, that these people don't care about bipartisanship. No. Cinema stance, along with the entire Blue Dog delegation, represents the height of wealth privilege. To the same degree, it represents the height of wealth privilege to the same degree as their Republican counterparts. As for those of us, the great unwashed masses, we're further insulted by the fact that this plan is one admired by Donald Trump, the first Nazi in the White House. It's documented by the Washington Post in 2017. Why in the world are alleged Democrats pushing a plan favored by this scam artist and criminal? So, again, back to Senator Sinema. I would urge, and I admit, she is my favorite target right now, along with Joe Manchin. So, but she's the one that is so damn sanctimonious. I would urge her to reassess her dubious principles. And then do her duty as mandated by the U.S. Constitution and obey the law, which clearly mandates that public representatives actually represent us, not merely the 1%. And there's no excuse for Senator Cinema. She's a licensed attorney. It sounds frustrated because I am incredibly frustrated. This is a scam above all scams. And it's not even that good a scam. That's the thing. It's so freaking obvious. And yet, not only did the mainstream media not cover it, they covered but they didn't cover the, this for as it as what it is, a scam. But nobody questioned it outside of progressive media. You know, you'll hear the Young Turks talk about it, and you can read David Dayan on the American Prospect. He nailed it. And you've got Food and Water Watch calling it out and in the public interest, that group. But this is such an obvious scam, and yet they're getting away with it. This bipartisan deal is a scam. And I guess my last demand would be this. Every member of this gang of 21, every member of this committee, Democrat, Independent, and Republican alike, must be criminally investigated to determine any conflict of interest. And yes, with criminal prosecution following. And no, sir, their qualified immunity does not cover them from criminal, act, criminal accusations. They can be charged. And finally... By the way, a personal note to Senator Cinema. As another woman who came up from poverty, but the difference is I didn't forget where I came from, I'm going to follow her principle of bipartisanship as I include both Democrats and Republicans in this recommendation of criminal investigation, criminal prosecution, when appropriate, regarding this committee. The last thing I would say is, Ciao, Kristen. And that's our show for tonight. I hope you liked it. We're going to be talking more about privatization of water systems in more detail. But this, this particular proposal is so incredibly dangerous that I had to do something about it today. And once again, this is a scam. It's an obvious scam. And um, once again, 
we have rights. No government has the right to sell off our public resources. They belong to all of us. And I hope you're listening, President Biden, because nobody is above the law. That's my report. Good night and God bless.